0: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Good, good. I understand you are fresh off a hike with Dimity over the weekend.
1: That is correct. Just uh, two days ago, we uh, hiked a peak here mm. in the Flatirons in Boulder. Um, it was. It's actually the, the tallest peak here in the, the little chain that people don't consider mountains. It's about eighty six hundred. <laughs> it was eighty six hundred feet, right? And, and we, we climbed up to it and yet everyone else still says, Oh, are you going to the mountains? Referring to the Rockies behind the flat iron still. So,
0: Meanwhile yes. in Maryland, people would be like, Did you take supplemental oxygen? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <just> so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. And how did you choose that route?
1: Well, Dimity was looking for something I think a little different, just to to break up her training, and so I gave her a couple of options, and she picked this one. And it's a five mile route, which was shorter than the other one I suggested, but this one's the vertical. It's definitely more challenging, and and you know just like a faster rise Mm -hmm. up to the peak. So, so it was it was a good one though. We were we were out there I think for about three hours total, and um, it was really great to reconnect with her and catch up on everything because. Well, I don't think I've seen either of you since pre-pandemic. So
0: I know my goodness, my yeah. goodness. And, and there she is just what 75 minutes maybe from where you live.
1: Yeah. I don't even know if it's that far probably. Mm. So okay. yeah. So that was oh. a lot of fun. It, we really enjoyed
0: it. Good, good. So five miles round trip or five miles each way
1: round trip. Yeah. Okay. But again, it, it's more just about the vertical. So sounds
0: like um, it. Yeah. yeah. If that took you yeah. that long to go
1: that, that, yeah, distance. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, it, I mean, this peak is like, you know, the quintessential you know pointy peak um mm-hmm. that like a kindergartner would draw if they were drawing a mountain you know <laughs> it really is just like straight up you know bag the top and then straight back
0: down so yeah <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness well uh and i am excited for something that you have coming out in your work life in about a week i guess a week wow. from t- today as we record this yes exactly
1: yes so I wrote a piece for the Washington Post about open water swimming mm-hmm. and pulled you right on into that because <laughs> you are so experienced and you had so many great tips. It was really Aww. fun talking with you because um we that's kind of how we wanted to frame this as as a service piece so that people who might be hesitant to leave the pool and get into open water, you know, might feel more comfortable. So you Uh were, you were chock full of good advice.
0: Oh, good. Oh, good. I had the most amazing experience on Sunday with swimming. So, I'm out there in the pond, and typically when I swim, I don't stop. I just, like, when I make a turn, you know, when I kind of go around the pond, I used to stop at every quote-unquote corner. So, like, if I'm doing a big circle in my mind, there were four corners where I had to turn, change direction. And so, boy, I cut those out. Enough dilly-dallying. And <laughs> So anyway, so so the only time I see my surroundings are when I turn to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so I saw what I thought were several different birds of prey. Maybe they were just the same one. And so then I was just a few minutes from finishing my swim, and suddenly I just stopped. I just felt a strong urge to stop, and I turn my head and there, about ten feet away from me, is a bald eagle. Only wow. about three feet off the surface of the water with wow. a small fish in its talons. Oh, that's so cool. That's oh so cool. my gosh. And I, you know, the sun shining down and just the water felt great. And I just was talking to myself like a crazy person, just being like, that is so cool. That <laughs> is so amazing. <laughs> As if just thinking it in my head wasn't enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> you must share it. With yes. The greater universe. There yes yes <laughs> so so that oh gosh it just was just so stunning particularly that it was a bald eagle i mean yes. come on like quintessential bird of prey oh yeah. man that yeah. is
1: that is really the best oh, yeah yeah i yeah. envy that you're still at it i cuz i i think i told you mine ended um 2 weeks ago this week was the last one because mine are more like supervised organized open yes. water swims and so I went back to a, a pool last week. I did it. it I, I still insisted on being in an outdoor pool at least. Okay, good. As, as a baby step, uh-huh. but um, <laughs> it, it was miserable. I mean, just like oh, counting laps and just, oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, but we don't in Portland. There are no outdoor pools that I know of. Um, oh wow, that have. I mean, I. I guess there's a few, but they all definitely closed down before school started because then all their lifeguards had oh, to like go back tongue. to school. Right. right. <laughs> and, and so yeah, so this pond, I mean, you can swim until you can't stand the cold anymore. So I have plans okay. to go through hopefully the third weekend in October. So and the water's oh. still quite warm. Oh, um, it's so like nice. there's there's no shock to the system going into it. Yeah. 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 And the, oh, Oh. it's clear. And oh my gosh, I had so many people though this weekend, either the pickleball courts or people who saw me, I walk from my car to the pond in my swimsuit. Like I don't, I just leave my flip flops by the side. I don't take a towel or anything because I've, as I've recounted here, I, my stuff was stolen one time. So anyway, people are always like, isn't the water dirty? I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's delightful. It is so... Oh my gosh, it's just Nirvana. the The color green and the light just cutting through the water, the sunlight cutting through the water. It just, it. I've said it before; it's my happy place. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, we are talking trail running today with Gina Lucrasi. She is a professional ultra marathon runner and founder of Trail Sisters. And at first, I thought Trail Sisters was a group of women trail runners, but it's far more than that. Trail Sisters defines itself as, quote, a movement driving opportunity and inspiration to all women on the trails. So, Amanda, you have had the opportunity to interview Gina for an article.
1: That's right. We chatted, gosh, I want to say, it. well, it was probably 2020 or 2021 Mm -hmm. Um, I was writing an article for a magazine called Mountain Outlaw about how outdoors organizations like Trail Sisters were operating in the midst of the pandemic when we couldn't get together the way, you know, outdoors like we were like we were used to. So um, Trail Sisters was one of the one of three organizations that I talked to about that. So I I got to know Gina a little bit with that. Mm -hmm. And now out here, I have to say, um, in, in Boulder, I've done several runs with the local Trail Sisters group.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So that's awesome. So we will talk with Gina about Trail Sisters as well as trail running in general after this break. Stay with us. Gina, thanks for joining us. And why don't you pronounce your last name since I've butchered it so often? (laughs) It's LaCretzi. Very nice. Very nice. So it looks like you have two adorable fur babies who accompany you on some trail outings.
2: That is correct. Yes. Um, I have two Airedale, um, terriers and one is, she'll be three in October. The other will be five in November, both with interesting names. They're Ezra and Spruce, but they're both females. So mm-hmm. usually people are always like, wait, are they men? I'm like, no, <laughs> 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 I like the names. So <laughs> but, Yep. I, I love them. They're my, they're my version of kiddos. So, uh
0: huh. And are they good runners? Is that breed of dog a good? Running companion,
2: well you know technically so Spruce the smaller one's great, as he kind of has this really little like clunky stride <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's it's cute, I'm like, oh, she's trying, um you know they 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 can go for a bit, but I don't think they're as well of a a of a running breed as like a visla or something like that, but mm-hmm. they'll they'll come with me for a few miles, but I generally won't take them out on any super long things so.
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: but but. Yeah, they're they're fun for the little the little jaunts around town.
1: Nice, nice, <laughs> very nice. So, Gina, tell us a little bit about your own running background. All I know of you is that you're a trail runner and and ultra runner. And but tell us about how you got started.
2: Sure. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I never really thought I was going to get into running in general because growing up, I was a field hockey player. That was mm. my 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 true love of sports, actually. And to be honest, it kind of really. Still is, but it's it's much harder to find a group to go play field hockey with because you know you need another ten women on the field with you, (laughs) right? right. And that's just one team, right? So yeah, but I, I love that sport. But I also love running. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's a very different dynamic. You know, you go from a huge team sport to something that's more solo, and so. But I can talk a little bit about that later. But so yeah, I happen to be a pretty good runner, just from field hockey. We do a time mile and. I for some reason, ran a pretty fast time mile, and then I was asked to join the track team and then also a cross country team and I ended up by my senior year in cross country i'd I had won all the all the races on our mm. schedule except for districts and states, and had set records on all those courses and that wow. broke our what was it our our high school uh mile record as a freshman so there was clearly something happening in terms of like oh I had the ability to to move a bit in, in the running world so I continued on and ran more in college I went to a small university called the Sales University it was a D3 school in Allentown Pennsylvania
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I uh ended up graduating there as a 10-time D3 NCAA all-american and had won the the indoor 1500 my my junior year and so yeah, it was kind of, I didn't know I was capable of any of that. And so after, you know, this stuff continued to happen, I was like, okay, I guess, I guess maybe I have a little future running. And so, (laughs) so yeah, my background was really in track and cross country. And then after I graduated, I didn't think there was any, anywhere else for me to really go in terms of that world. I wasn't fast enough to compete at a higher level, but But yeah, then I I ended up finding trail running and that was much more interesting to me. So (laughs) so I I made that shift and that's kind of how I got into the trail world. Hmm. Hmm.
1: That's very cool. So tell us a little bit about your trail racing career. And I think you've got something big coming up, maybe? Oh, right on. Yeah. So, well, with trail running,
2: you know, I started with the shorter distances because that's what I was used to. And, you know, obviously track and, and that world of things. So I started with the short stuff and then kind of worked my way into the ultra distances. But it just trail running was super unique to me because you get to see so many different things, um, go places you never, you never really expect. I think that's, I don't know, that motivated me to kind of keep going. And I still had a, a pretty big love of competition there for a while. And so it was fun just to get out and race. But let's see, I've kind of done races all over the place. I'd say more more of a recreational style runner now, but for once upon a time, I was pretty competitive. I had won the USA 10K. I guess it was the USA Track and Field Trail Champs way back in the day, and I've run the 100K out at the the UTMB CCC course. That was my first 100K, and I was the top American there. Yeah, it was. That was that was probably one of my favorite races, or most memorable, if you could say it was the first time I'd run a 100 K I was playing professional runner at the time. I just left my job at trail runner magazine and, um, went out to Chamonix for geez, I guess it was about a month to train on the course and check it out. And it was, I had a blast. So yeah, I, and I had a good race there. And so I don't know, you know, the trail world was special and unique to me in that sense. And then I started doing a few 100s they were a lot tougher, <laughs> but I, I I I love them. I, I still want to kind of keep rolling with those and keep tr- striving to to get a a time that I'm happy with, which kind of sounds crazy because just finishing one is the big goal. But um, but there's that I actually was signed up to do Run Rabbit Run in two weeks, but I actually think I'm not going to be doing it anymore just because of some COVID stuff that's lingering and just not being able to get in the training that I was hoping to.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I saw that on your Instagram feed that you had COVID in late July. So you've been—it's been tough coming back from that.
2: Yeah, you know, I I tested positive for COVID on my way out to run the Cascade Crest 100, which was Ooh. yeah, that was I was super psyched, and that was my the goal race and and whatnot. And one of the big reasons I was doing it—well, there was lots of reasons, but one one reason I was really excited to to do it was. I really wanted to, well, finish because it's a hard rock qualifier and we just passed, I guess, a new lottery policy that says the women that actually tow the starting line is represented with the amount, um, with the percentage of the women that apply into the lottery. So the more women we get to put their names in the lottery helps us grow the percentage um, or the number that are actually on the starting line. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to actually contribute to that. Even, you know, if I didn't get into hard rock that is what it is, but I could still help grow the field Mm -hmm. by just simply putting my name in the lottery. So when I helped create that new rule, I'm on the hard rock board, you know, I wanted to take a step further and do it, but I found out I was in uh, a small town in Eastern Oregon when I tested positive. So then, you know, then we're like, Oh, we're so close to being here and everything. And then we drove back to uh, Colorado. took Mm. about two weeks, I think, to uh, test negative. And then I did a few big runs. I had a, a trip planned back East with family. We just kind of got tough to get in the the training I need because at this point I should have been done with my big goal race. And so I had things scheduled, you know, that wouldn't collide with training and then just heart rate stuff. I didn't really have a lot of coughing or anything from COVID. It was more above the neck for me, mm. but, um, heart rate stuff has been elevated, just more fatigue. So, You know, there's, there's a few different reasons of kind of why I won't be toeing the line, but I'm hopeful to to come back again next year. Once I have more time to really focus on training and be hopefully 100%. So,
0: Mm, yeah, mm, it's rough.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so, I hate, I hate hearing these stories. It makes me sad. So tell us about the whole idea for trail sisters and, and how you came up with it and how you got it off the ground. Sure. So trail sisters is six years old now. So I
2: still think so like, we're pretty young, but like, man, so much has happened in the six years. Kind of how it goes is I was working in the outdoor industry for about 10 years until that point or so. And I had an opportunity to work. I just, I say it, like in the marketing arena, be, I had done ad ad sales. I was a marketing manager for shoe company. I was a athlete manager. I was contracted to do different marketing projects with brands and I was running professionally, I guess I was participating in the sport. And so I felt as though I had a full view completely around, you know, of the entire arena, if you will, or the industry and the sport. And the biggest thing that stood out to me was the lack of female voice and perspective. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just was quite frustrating. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, man, I see people that, you know, we, you know, as women, we, we love being out there. It's, it's a great sport, but you open up magazines, you don't see anything about women or all the pictures are of men. And, everything's written by a guy or, and, you know, and then you have the clothes, how we get two pieces of apparel and the men would have like 10 or, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can go, and the list goes on with all that stuff. Right. And so it was just, there was all these things. And having worked inside that industry, I knew more than I probably should have known, which kind of made it even more infuriating. Um, and so <laughs> the answer for me was, okay, well, I can get mad. I can get angry, but it doesn't really help solve a problem. So with the knowledge I had and the experience, I decided to start the Trail Sisters Journal. And so I spoke to seven other women I was friends with and asked that they'd be willing to contribute a story or an article, just anything that was either inspirational, educational, or empowering. And then we put it out on social media to, you know, prompt the, this Trail Sisters Journal. And it kind of took off from there. But the mission, is to grow women's participation and opportunity in trail running and hiking, but doing it through that inspiration, education, and empowerment. Those are our three kind of foundational pillars, if you will, and with education being my absolute favorite. So it started like that, and once it kind of got out there, we had people asking if they contribute, and you know so now it's more of a crowdsourced thing than you know it started with seven people just writing, but now it's crowdsourced. So any and every woman is welcome to. Uh, share her voice and, you know, perspective, whatever she wants to share. Is it, you know, we all can learn something new or it's a kind of amazing how many people are out there. You think you have something to say and that maybe nobody else will be going through it, or you might be nervous that somebody won't understand, but there's so many people out there actually going through that exact thing. And when they get to hear from somebody else with that same situation, it it really makes an impact, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Yeah. So there's the journal side. Then we started doing a community team. We do retreats. We have a ton of local groups. We have over 150 local groups across the country, a few in Canada, a few in Europe, but mainly based here in the U S and they're all volunteer led. And the whole idea there is just to, you know, help get more women out on the trail and creating that space where they can feel comfortable and supported and um, develop better community relationships. And so, and then we even went all the way to doing some grants. Uh, we have a, an adventure grant, the childcare grant, and also mm-hmm. a coaching grant. And I guess the other thing that we really do now is we, we host races as well. So this oh. weekend I have a, my trail sisters, women's trail half marathon event, which is coming up in five days on uh, September 10th here in Buena
1: Vista, Colorado. So, so mm-hmm. all the things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I, I will say personally, I moved out to Colorado about a year ago. And so I've been tapping into the local Boulder community and, and joining them for some runs. So that's been fun. So it's good for that too. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said about 150 different groups around the country. So you're, you're all over the country, right? Correct.
2: Yes. And we, we actually have quite a few that are waiting. We're waiting to open. We've just hired a, a uh, local group manager, if you will, the back end of Trail Sisters, myself, and my husband Justin, and then our one contractor, Christy, and so we do quite a bit with a very small team, and so it can be it can be quite hard. Well, I'm sure it, you guys know with the podcast, it can be it can be tough to do all that stuff. So anyway, with this new hire, it's it will be helpful to be able to open more and provide better support to local groups. Um, and obviously the members in those groups. So we're growing. It's just sometimes it's, it's hard to, there's a lot to, to do to get there. So but oh, yeah. it's exciting.
0: Yeah. 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 My business partner and co-founder Dimity and I did another mother runner on our own for, for several years. And boy, it, it's, it's a lot to juggle. So good on you for that one. So so Trail Sisters is wonderfully inclusive. For instance, on the site, it says, and I'm quoting here, the Trail Sisters community welcomes and encourages inclusion from all who identify as women, our sisters of color, our indigenous sisters, our LGBTQIA sisters, our trans and non-binary sisters, our adaptive athlete sisters, and our white sisters. So could you talk more about how Trail Sisters puts those words into action?
2: Sure, yeah. It doesn't matter you know, who you are, where you're from, your pace, your whatever it is. I mean, there's a gazillion different ways you could come up with ways of segmenting people, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you want. But, you know, we just want people to get out and have fun running together and meeting each other. Mm -hmm. And so um, coming up with that statement, we spoke to a few different people from different groups to make sure that we we did it the right way and we covered things correctly so we don't want anybody to feel as though they can't come and run or hike with a group of folks it's important to us that you know the outdoors are for everybody and that we're we're doing the best we can to make sure that comes through and offering that so in a nutshell you know we we try to make sure people see that statement if they do have questions and all of our local group leaders also know this inclusivity statement and if there 's any you know questions people can come to us and ask, but that's I mean that 's about it in a nutshell we we don 't want anybody ever to feel as though they can 't participate or or be a part of our group we're welcoming to all
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do you do any specific outreach to to reach those communities because I think that's sometimes part of the problem is just getting the word out there that such a thing exists there 's certainly people who want to be a part of it, but letting them know that there's a group that's meeting on Saturday that's going three miles and it doesn't matter what your pace is, that sort of thing.
2: Sure. With uh, with our local groups, we have them all over the place. And I know there's um, crossover with other local groups in those communities or ways that they can tap into those other communities. Um, we will. It's not, you know, they won't do that for every single run, but I think every once in a while, or maybe once a month, Um, the local groups will reach out to other local group leaders, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of what those other groups are Mm -hmm. and just to kind of combine forces, if you will, or, or just to introduce each other Mm -hmm. to what both groups are doing and, and for that crossover. So we try to, we try to do that quite a bit when and where we can.
1: Nice. Well, so let's just talk in generalities, trail running, it can seem intimidating to some people. So what do you tell someone who wants to give it a try, but is feeling a little anxious about it? Well, the first thing is always like, hey, just, (laughs) well, letting everybody know
2: it's always okay to, to walk or hike. So I feel like that's the number one thing that comes up. It's like, oh, what if I can't keep up or I don't want to hold anybody back? And it's like, hey, let's just don't worry about that you know it's just one step at a time just come out give it a shot you don't have to go far so letting people know that is is i think super important and also with with our groups having it be a a no drop that's our our biggest thing is being a no drop group is letting them know that hey we'll go you know and it's different for every group leader every group but maybe sometimes they'll go a half mile. Sometimes it's a mile and then they stop and allow everybody to kind of regroup and then they'll Mm. move on. So, you know, none of these group runs are ever structured as a competitive or a workout type day.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And if some groups have that many events going on and they want to do a workout type meetup, that's fine, but they will let everybody know, Hey, this is what you can expect this day. But generally all the group events are, are more of a social type feel. So, cause it is a lot of stop, go type thing. So people do have the opportunity to talk and to make sure nobody's feeling lost or, or well gets lost or feeling as though, you know, they're holding anybody back,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, we try to keep it in in that sense. So it it does feel welcoming and not as um, intimidating as maybe some other groups when they host
0: their runs hmm hmm And so you have a hike or run leader and then you have a, a sweep?
2: Generally, yes. If there's two leaders that are able to to go that day, then yeah, one will stay in the back and one will stay in the front. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we only have one leader, but if they all do, you know, then the, the leader will lead, but with mm-hmm. it being no drop people will clump together. And if the last person, you know, you know how many people are going in your group, let's say there's I don't know, 10 people and nine people show up. Mm-hmm. If that night, you know, that one person isn't there making it 10, you know, they'll double back or they'll, you know, mm-hmm. go look for them. They won't continue on leaving somebody lost sure. out there and sure. like that. But yes, so that's kind of the gist.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. So what do you think a person can get from trail running that maybe can't be found on the road?
2: Ooh, that's a great question. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, thank you. No, um, yeah. You know, I, there's all kinds of things. I mean, I don't know. People will probably disagree with me on this, but what I think what's really neat about running the outdoors and on the trails is being in that type of um, environment is very primal. You could say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you get back on trails. There's you know, you might not have service, you might not have access to whatever, anything, you know, so you are kind of out there, especially if you're doing a solo run, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it teaches you how to grow that confidence and that independence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important, especially for women. And I mean, not, you know, there's many men out there that might struggle with some things, I mean, we all do, we all struggle with something, right? Some version of confidence or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, which is a okay, you know, mm-hmm. but I do think the outdoors have obviously been not the place where women have explored as much as men for, you know, talking about the history of time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so mm-hmm. being out there, I think there sometimes can be more fear about the outdoors, but getting out there and, and getting some of those runs and mm-hmm. or hikes or adventures. It forces you to kind of think in a different mindset or touch on areas, I guess in general that force you to maybe be a little uncomfortable, but to work through it. But I think all of that really does help you grow in, you know, in that confidence or, or to force you to be a little bit more independent. And I think you can take those pieces that you learn from being out there or the, that new sense of self and then apply it to just everyday life, whether it's in your job, your home life. You know whatever it is, so that that's something I think is really important. And I know you could probably get that from running, you know, on the roads and things like that. But generally, you're around a lot more people, and you have access to, you know, hell, you could go into a store if you, you know, (laughs) need to call an Uber. Uh Yeah, Uh exactly, exactly. It's you have more assistance in that sense. In the outdoors, Mm -hmm. you got to work a little harder to to get yourself back out in that sense, or you Mm -hmm. don't have as many. I don't know, things to help you out, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the surroundings look oftentimes innately different than they do in your everyday life. You know, you don't look out and see, Oh, look, there's a stop sign and, and there's my neighbor and, you know, right. there's a 7 It's like, Oh, uh huh. This is, it's just greenery or, yeah. or, you know, wide open vistas as far as the eye can see. So it's almost kind of a change to the senses.
2: Oh yeah. No, the yeah. beauty that you get to witness and, Wildlife, the flora and fauna, I, you know, it changes people's lives when they, when they have that chance to kind of immerse themselves in that, that new environment or a different environment.
0: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. So both of you, Gina and Amanda, you live in Colorado, a gorgeous state. So, Gina, what's the most beautiful place you've ever run? Like what one trail or vista pops into your mind when I ask that question? Oh, (laughs)
2: like that's like an impossible. uh...
0: (laughs) Which dog is your favorite? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: my favorite place or favorite trail. That's hard. Oh, I mean, oh, man, I don't know how to pick that. Do you have there's, one place
0: that's your happy place? Your happy place. Well,
2: <laughs> you know, I don't even know if you can get back to it anymore, but one of my favorite places within the state, and I don't even want to see, I don't want to say it. because <laughs> Although I think it, the cat's out of the bag with it anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> when I lived in Carbondale years ago, I used to go down towards the Maroon Bells Wilderness area, mm. the Mass Wilderness area. And there's this, I think it was closed for quite some time because of the avalanche and debris that. Across the trail, but it was, I would run up and back to the conundrum hot springs and they're hot springs that are located about 12,500 feet, you know, on a mountain. So it's, they're not boiling hot springs because mm-hmm. heck that hot water's coming pretty far <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to get that high, but they're warm, you know, that it's nice mm-hmm. and warm. There's, a, there's camping up there. I think you have to reserve camping, but it's about an eight mile one way trip. So you know, you have people that will go up and camp and, you know, they'll stay the night because it's a long trek. Not a ton of people, will, you know, do it out and back in the day, but it was just a a beautiful trail to get out there. You get some great scenery. And then when you get to the top, when you reach it, you can continue on, I think, a few other trails because you have some beautiful vistas, but you also can take a little soak in the hot springs. And so um, that was one of my favorite adventure runs, I guess. Um, there's a lot here in the BV area where I live, but
1: if I had to pick one, that probably is at pretty high at the top of the list. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Can't Very argue nice. with a, a natural sauna. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I know. I think I'm writing that one down. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, Gina, do you have a favorite time of the year for trail running? Um, You know, I really enjoy fall. I feel mm-hmm.
2: like I haven't been able to enjoy summer running for quite some time. Since I started Trail Sisters, I feel like, oh, there's... It's like the popular season for people to run, but I'm so busy working that I don't get to enjoy <laughs> it. So, right. Isn't that how it works? You know, you,
1: Yeah.
2: fall has always been one of my favorite times of the year in general. So yeah, winter, I like, actually, I, I do enjoy running in the winter. Sometimes I think running on snow, especially if you put some micro spikes on or whatever you're comfortable with, but some version of traction, I'd prefer to go for the the spikes because they have a lot more bite. But when the snow packs down, it's actually, I think, faster and smoother running running mm-hmm. on the snow than when it's, you know, dry trails. So it can be a lot of fun running in the wintertime. But I think fall's my favorite just because of the season
1: itself. Mm-hmm. So. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And so how about for women who are considering taking on their first trail race, what kind of advice would you have for them? Well there's all kinds of things, but I guess the one thing
2: I would say is just go out and have fun. Don't go with a time, you know, goal in mind, just go out and enjoy the experience. You know, there's all kinds of different distances you can do. And so that might change some of your thought process in in certain ways. But I think if it's your first time doing it to, to structure that event with all kinds of different expectations of goals, it, it makes it less enjoyable in the long run. Because if something goes wrong, you don't, you know, or cheat, I shouldn't say goes wrong, but if something unexpected happens, you don't want to sit there and then think, oh, well, this is horrible. Everything is ruined. I hate this, blah, blah, blah. So I think just go out with a you know open mind and just go have fun. Take your time, you know, watch where you're, where you're going, walk through the sections that don't feel great, or when the hills pop up, if you're, you know, that's usually the hardest thing for many folks. And make some friends along the way. The Mm. trail running community, I think is a pretty kind community. And so there's also try to tell people, you know, everybody's out there doing that course, just like you. So it's, it's not really you versus the other people you versus the course. So it's kind of nice to kind of have some camaraderie as, as you kind of go on that journey from the start to the finish.
0: Mm. I like that, the journey from the start to the finish. Mm -hmm. So how about if people are stepping up to their first ultra? You know, a lot of our crowd say, "Okay, I've I've done a marathon or a few marathons. Now I want to go beyond." What advice do you have for them?
2: Uh, I, at that point, I'm like, if, "If you've done a marathon, it's only a couple more miles. You got it." <laughs> you <know? laughs> I mean, you know, I think you get to that point. The thing to focus on the most at that point, because granted, you'll take fuel for the shorter races too. But as you grow in distance, you have to think of it as more of a, I this is going to sound funny, but almost like an eating contest versus <laughs> how much your, your body is able to, like how physically fit you can be. Granted, sure, you you have to train, but at a certain point, your body doesn't perform unless it has nutrition. And so you have to think about what nutrition works best for my body. How do I, you know, how often... Should I be putting stuff in, you know, what are the correct calories for me? And it's different for everybody. So that's where it almost, it gets interesting. So when you do venture into that ultra space, you need to start thinking about fueling a bit more than if for a half marathon, for instance, Mm -hmm. and it takes a little time to figure it out. So, I mean, to be honest, I've been running for a bunch of years now, and I still don't have the perfect like nutrition plan. That's usually what kicks my butt in, in the super long stuff, because think of it as like a car, right? If you don't have gas in the car, the car doesn't go. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, it's, it can be tricky in terms of figuring out what works and doesn't work. But I always tell people don't give up. Just, you got to test on um, training runs, try different foods. And sometimes what works for you in the beginning of a race won't work for you in the end of the race. So there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of different variables, but they shouldn't be scared to, to to test out different things and try things. It can actually be quite interesting, kind of fun, come <laughs> up with all different concoctions. But yeah, when you're going into that ultra world, that's when you really want to start to think about how you're fueling your body.
0: So, mm. so okay. So you're treating yourself like a lab rat. Has <laughs> What have you found so far that does work for you, bearing in mind that it works for you and not for, you know, anyone else out there possibly?
2: So it's taken me a while to... Find some of the things, but um, I've found that I do pretty well with drinkable calories. Mm. Um, so, and there's all kinds of different brands, right? Right now, I, I love Gnarly Nutrition. Oh. They're Fuel2O, that's kind of what I've been using. And so I can mix that in with, you know, water in a flask. And this is another tip I tell a lot of people when you are, if you are doing, well, it doesn't matter. You could do as just, it doesn't have to be a fuel nutrition, it could just be your electrolyte drink too but in your vest or however you're carrying it, I generally suggest a vest so that you have more pockets for more things. But I'll carry flasks versus a bladder so that I can have one flask full of water and then one flask full of whatever other drink I prefer. You know, if you have just the bladder, you're kind of stuck using just what is in that one thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I do kind of like having the option. But so drinkable calories are work really well for me. Depending on the distance drinkable calories seem to be a bit better later in the race when your stomach starts to shut down in terms of, it's not as easy to break down like, I don't know, harder calories or food calories, but I do get a hankering for, you know, the Doritos and like, or like a (laughs) McDonald's cheeseburger, which is kind of random, but I like savory more than I like sugary. So Mm -hmm. I know that much. It's taken me a while to figure that out where I used to see like candy and a lot of granola bars, but it was all a lot of sweet stuff. And I think the sugar just wouldn't work out, so now I'm more onto anything that's
0: salty. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but so you make a detour to go to McDonald's, or like you buy them ahead of time, have it, have some, right? or you just daydream about them. Have pizza delivered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's weird. The things that I don't know what you're craving. Uh-huh. Um, so, but it's exciting. Pickles are also another big, big one on the hit list for a lot uh-huh. of people. Uh, my friend, uh, Courtney DeWalter, just did the collegiate loop here. Mm. What was it this past weekend or or past, whatever, a couple of days ago. ago and, I think. Yeah, And I went out to say hello. I, I know her fairly well in general. And so just to surprise her as a trail friend, and it was at one aid station. And I think she had a wrap with pickles and cheese. And I was like, <laughs> that is a great combo. <laughs> it's like, I love that. I want to try that. But I mean, it's just the interesting things that, you know, people will do. And it is different for everybody. Some people might hate that and they prefer just loads of M&Ms. I don't know, but, Uh Uh but you'll, you'll come up with different things because of the cravings you have.
1: So you clearly have this very long background in trail running and racing, and then you've got six years of trail sisters under your belt at this point. And would you say in general, you think that things are changing for the positive in terms of women participation in the trail running community? I think so.
2: I definitely think things are changing. I definitely think we have a long way to go and I hope it continues to change. And I know one thing I've learned and I've, you know, and this is just throughout society and cultures, things take time. And so though I wish everything would, you know, change with the flip of a switch, I know that's not how it works. I, as a fun fact, I'm also a trustee for the town of Buena Vista. And yes, we pronounce it Buena Vista, not Buena, even though mm-hmm. I know most people probably think I'm an idiot for not saying it that way, but the town <laughs> is actually called Buena Vista. But throughout even the process of being a trustee here and just seeing how long it takes just to do things, you know, with municipal government and things like that, like it, it can be intense. So, you know, with the sport, I, it's it's no different. So I do hope things continue to change and not just for, you know, equity across the board. And there's all, there's a lot of other areas that I hope we see changes in or progression. But I think when Trail Sisters was started six years ago, which wasn't that long ago, there were some efforts being made, but I will put the little feather in the cap here. And it is teamwork, but I think Trail Sisters did help wake up some people to, to do a bit more. So I, I like to believe that we were a big push there. And there are so many other groups um, also in that timeframe doing great things. I mean, this podcast is, I mean, what you guys have done has brought a lot of awareness as well. You know, it's, it's organizations like, you know, Trail Sisters, another mother runner. And, you know, have Black Girls Run and that, that's mm-hmm. more in, I think that's more road focused, but with all these groups and people doing what they can, it's driving that awareness and also making people just, forcing them to, to take change and to take action, to make sure people are included, um, in this sport in in ways that they haven't been in the past. And that a lot of these organizations or industries or brand, whatever, or I should say brands or yeah, organizations, media outlets, holding them more accountable to making sure that they're, they're not excluding folks. And it is important. I don't think they can get away with that as much as maybe they could at one point, mm-hmm. which I think is a really good thing.
0: Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well, thank you for giving us a shout out and that we're honored to be included in that list. So Gina, do you have a standout story or memory from a member of Trail Sisters? You all have such a great Instagram feed that I just was like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. But does one just kind of jump out as like, yeah, that's what we're all about? Or that really made a difference? Let's see.
2: There's so many stories. Um There's a lot of stories about how folks have been out on a trail and all of a sudden they'll run into somebody else that's either wearing a hat or something says trail sisters. And, you know, they end up being lifelong friends or new training partners Mm -hmm. or things like that because of this, you know, they had something in common or they felt as though they could speak to each other. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of articles that we have, you know, to help moms that have just either, either they're pregnant and preparing for birth or after birth and just how to get back into it. And some of the comments and camaraderie from other people reading it really kind of helped and stood out just to, to encourage people, Hey, this is normal, or here are some people you can reach out to. Um, I know a lot of people struggle with things like that. So, Mm -hmm. and so just having family behind you Mm -hmm. to just help you move forward or help you through those tough periods and not knowing you're, or knowing that you're not alone is one of the things at the center of what our journal is really great at doing. But, you know, as soon as I, we're done with this
0: podcast, I'm going to have right. the best story to share with you. A <laughs> hundred <100 laughs> will come to you. You'll, yes. you'll call back up, Sarah yeah. in. Sarah Addison. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but I also, I also like you using the word family because, you know, you're called Trail Sisters, so the whole family thing. I really like that. So cool. Yeah.
2: That's how I think of us. So I'd say this is, I'll, I'll say this really quick and then I'll shut up again. But, you know, like with, with what Trail Sisters is, may have started this organization because i was frustrated but where it is today is thanks to everybody who's been a part of it in one way or another and i like to compare it to this is dorky but a big Mm -hmm. wheel with a bunch of cogs on the wheel but for that wheel to go around we're all the same size same shape right so like nobody's more important than anybody else in Mm. the trail sisters community we need each other to keep pushing forward and so that's kind of how i like to like to think of it, that we all play a great big role in, in continuing, you know, to hopefully change the sport and, and well, and also to hopefully continue to grow trail sisters in the family that we have. All right. So I'll stop talking now. now I'm talking too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're the guest. That's your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a great message. So, um, well, with all that said, I'm sure there are some people out here who are very intrigued. And so can you share with listeners, how they can get involved in a local trail sisters community and the runs. Oh, totally. Sure. So,
2: I mean, you can always just Google trail sisters or Trailsisters.com.net, whatever you'll find us. If you can remember the word trail sisters, you'll find us um, <laughs> on our main site. We have the ability to go to our community site and the community site is where you you'd sign. It's all free and everything, but you, you sign up. Now you're a member of our community's platform and then you can search out where our local groups are, they're volunteer led. So these women that lead the groups are out there doing this, you know, there's no pay. They do it for the love of the sport for their community. And cause they want to help grow more participation and opportunity. And so if you want to attend a local group, that's great. There's no fee to ever run with any or hike with any of the uh, groups. You just have to sign a participation waiver. That's important just for liability mm-hmm. stuff, which mm-hmm. is normal, <laughs> but, um, if you go on the site, you'll be able to see how to do it. just click a button for the most part. And they'll have, you know, in the group when they're meeting and you get to go show up. You can ask them questions in the message platform, whatever you need to know. But then you show up and kind of go hang out. And that's kind of how it goes. There's no cost to do anything like that. Our communities platform is really the the home base, but there are some groups that also have a Facebook page. So many people do have Facebook. So it allows them to kind of search things out, mm-hmm. but they can also join via. The Facebook group. But the best thing to do is just go to Trail Sisters site and connect with the community from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And I imagine it's going to be expanding because of the new contractor you're bringing on board. So there'll be even more opportunities for women to jump in.
2: Oh, yes. Yep. We're hoping to do add another 20 groups or so. So there's nice. I feel bad. I've, I've been neglecting some of that growth a little bit because we've been so busy and couldn't get people started up as quickly as I'd like to, in terms of people interested in be group leaders, but now we're going to
0: be cranking through the end of the year. So, which awesome. I'm excited about. Very awesome. 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 Well, it was great talking with you, Gina. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Yeah,
2: this was excellent. I'm honored to be a part of the podcast and that you guys reached out. So thank
0: you guys very much. Thanks, Gina. Take care. Yeah, you too. Well, what do you say, Amanda? Should we go out on a trail run? Yes, always. <laughs> always my
1: favorite.
0: <laughs> Hopefully September is the month that I get back to running. So.
1: Well, I hope so too for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Well, registration for our latest love the run program is open and the training plan kicks off on September 12th, which now I realize is next week. Uh, the round <laughs> includes a multi-level mileage challenge perfect for folks Whether you're running on the road or trail, check it out at anothermotherrunner.com slash lovefall2022 and listen to Heather sharing her experience in a previous round of Love the Run.
1: This is Heather and I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The plan was so well structured and detailed in ways I've never had a running plan provide. I loved the variety of runs from form drills to intervals, easy, long, and hills. Hills became a quick favorite of mine. I loved the strength component as well and the YouTube videos that went with it. The strength was the perfect length that I could fit them in even when life started getting busy again. The Facebook group was one of my favorite parts of the plan because I got to talk with other mother runners about running.
0: Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Many happy miles.